Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. This will be the first class with our new chairs. So everybody can have some comfortable chair to sit on if they like. That's nice. Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 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 Rama. 
All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. Hare Krishna. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories, all glories to Shishi Guru Gauranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Hare Krishna. So, since it's the day before Sri Radhashtami, and usually leading up to festivals, we have some kata, uh, big festivals like John Mashtami, Gaur Purnima, Radhashtami, we have some kata. Uh, Tushtapur asked me to speak on Srimati Radharani. Um, so, I really need your mercy <laughs> to be relevant and to avoid offense. I'm giving class in front of exalted devotees. We have Mother Nidra here. We have visiting Maharaj. So glad to have your association and the local devotees always. I'm uh, your humble servant. We're reading from the 10th canto, chapter 30, text 28. Can anybody tell us what's special about this verse? Other than Balgopal Prabhu? <laughs> Nagar? It's the verse where Shukadeva Goswami kind of says Shrimati Radha in his name. It's the only verse where that happens. And that's going to be discussed in the purport. Anayara dito Nunam Bhagavan Harir Ishvaraha Yannu Bihaya Govinda Prito Yam Anayad Raha Anayadat Tonunam Pagavan Harir Ishvara Yenno Vihaya Govinda Prito Yam Anayad Raha Anayadat Tonunam Bhagavan Harir Ishvara Yannu Vihaya Govinda Krito Yamana Yadraha Anayaratito Nunam Bhagavan Harir Ishvara Yannu Vihaya Govinda Nayaratitunam Bhagavan Harir Ishvara Yannu Vihaya Govinda Prito Yamanayadraha Anayaratitunam A-N N like uh, Nagar Anayaratitunam Bhagavan Harir Ishvara 
Personality of Godhead. Adehe, Lord Krishna, Ishvara, the Supreme Controller. Yet, inasmuch as, Naha, us, Vihaya, rejecting, Govindaha, Lord Govinda. Pritaha, pleased, yam, whom, anayat, led, rahaha, to a secluded place. Transition and purports by the humble servants of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada and His servants, Kijai. So this verse is spoken by gopis. Some of the gopis who had experienced Krishna leaving the Rasa dance and were looking for him. That'll be elaborated on a little bit in the purport and the commentary. Translation, certainly this particular gopi has perfectly worshipped the all-powerful personality of Godhead, Govinda, since he was so pleased with her that he abandoned the rest of us and brought her to a secluded place. Please repeat, certainly this particular gopi has perfectly worshipped the all-powerful personality of Godhead, Govinda, since he was so pleased with her that he abandoned the rest of us and brought her to a secluded place. Purport. Srila Vishwanatha Chakravarti explains that the word Aratitaha refers to Srimati Radharani. He comments, quote, The sage Shukadeva Goswami has tried with all endeavor to keep her name hidden, but now it automatically shines forth from the moon of his mouth. That he has spoken her name is indeed her mercy, and thus the word Aratitaha is like the rumbling of a kettle drum sounded to announce her great good fortune. Although the gopis spoke as if jealous of Srimati Radharani, they were actually ecstatic to see that she had captured Sri Krishna. Sri Lavishvanatha Chakvarti quotes the following detailed description of Srimati Radharani's footprints as given by Srila Rupa Goswami in his Sri Ujjval Nilamani. Quote, At the base of the large toe of her left foot is the mark of a barley corn. Below that mark is a disc. Below the disc is an umbrella. And below the umbrella is a bracelet. A vertical line extends from the middle of her foot to the juncture of her large and second toes. At the base of the middle toe is a lotus. Below that is a flag with a banner. And below the flag is a creeper, together with a flower. At the base of her small toe is an elephant goad, and upon her heel is a half-moon. Thus there are eleven marks on her left foot. At the base of the large toe of her right foot is a conch shell, and below that a spear. At the base of the small toe of her right foot is a sacrificial altar. Below that an earring, and below the earring a spear. Along the base of the second, third, fourth, and small toes is the mark of a mountain, below which is a chariot, and on the heel is a fish. Thus, altogether there are nineteen distinguishing marks on the soles of Srimati Radharani's lotus feet. 
Om Gnana Timirandhasya Gnananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitang Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manopishtam Stapitang Yena Putale Svayang Rupa Kadamah Yang Dadatis Vipadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Utapadikamalam Shri Guru Unvaishnavamstra Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sakhanarukhana Tanvitam Tamsajivam Sadvaitam Savatutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Ratha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakhan Vitamscha Hey Krishna Karunas and Todina Bandho Jagatpate Gupesha Gupika Kante Ratha Kantana Mustute Taptakan Shanagaurangi Rathe Vrindavaneshwari Vrushapana Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vancha Kalpaturupyascha Kripas and Tupia Evacha Patitana Pavane Pu Vaishnave Pu No Namaha Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Vigadatara Shri Vasari Gaura Pakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Anayaradato Nunam Tugavan Hare Ishvara Nu Vihaya Govinda Prito Certainly this particular gopi has perfectly worshipped the all-powerful personality of Godhead, Govinda, since he was so pleased with her that he abandoned the rest of us and brought her to a secluded place. Hare Krishna. Happy day before Radhashtami. So I consider that since Tushtapur asked me to speak on Shrimati Radharani, that there's qualification coming. I didn't independently decide. I'm going to talk about the Supreme Shakti of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That would be impertinent. So, the material world is populated with jivas who are very slow and are in the minority. One-fourth of Krishna's energy is represented in the material worlds. And the balance is in the spiritual world. So, actually, although we have... I'm speaking on behalf of conditioned souls here. Conditioned souls, we have a sense that we really know what reality is. Actually, we only have a very perverted slice of reality. Literally, the word perverted is from Latin. Versus means through, turned, and per means through. Things have been turned through the material energy, so they don't actually appear in the correct way. And the nature of this world is actually the minority of reality. The majority of reality, actual reality, is the spiritual world. The world of union, harmony with Krishna's desires and service to those desires. And the material world is populated by persons, therefore, who have a variety of misconceptions. Some persons say that there is nobody in control, and therefore they live an extremely lamentable, miserable existence that's completely full of illusion. Some people say that they're in control. They live another kind of illusion, one that's full of frustration. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, You can only be peaceful if you understand these three things. That actually there is a supreme controller, and it's Krishna. There's a supreme enjoyer, and it's Krishna. And there is a supreme friend, that's also Krishna. And if one tries to occupy any of these categories themselves, or places another person on that pedestal, that's reserved only for the supreme personality of Godhead, their existence is characterized by a lack of peace, to say the least. There can only be shanti if that pedestal is occupied properly. What to speak of voiding it entirely and saying that there's nobody who's in control or enjoys the results of everything or is our friend. That's just miserable. So there's a variety of different misconceptions and the material world is characterized by these. But actually all of reality, material and spiritual, is only two things. The Supreme Person and His energies. And you could say three, the relationship in between. So, whether one ignores personhood, which means ignoring the Supreme Person, or places themselves as the Supreme Person, or worships their husband, wife, their Prime Minister, President, the current flavor of the month rock star, or whoever else as the Supreme Person, or they try to worship the energy, 
with a goal to actually controlling the energy or actually being the supreme energy themselves. These are all varieties of illusion and therefore their place is in the material world, persons who think in this way. So I was thinking when asked to speak on Srimati Radharani, I was thinking about this verse, so I, I referred to it, I read the purport and I came to this line. Although the gopis spoke as if jealous of Srimati Radharani, they were actually ecstatic to see that she had captured Sri Krishna. This is the nature of the spiritual world on display for us, which is important because this is definitely not the nature of the material world. The apparent envy or jealousy is only apparent. We see in the Sri Bhagavatamrita, for example, that everywhere that Gopakumar goes and everywhere that Narada Muni goes, all the different kinds of devotees in different rasas who have different varieties of relationships with Krishna. And those relationships can be categorized and are categorized in terms of an objective scale of intimacy. Yet every single devotee appreciates every other devotee's service. Everywhere that Narada Muni goes, he finds a great devotee and he glorifies them. Beginning with, I believe it's a simple Brahmin, uh, the banks of a river worshiping the Lord. And Narada Muni just comes to him. Imagine Narada Muni coming to you in the middle of your worship or after you've completed your worship with his veena and starts glorifying your service. And he says, I'm not a, I'm not a devotee, actually. You're glorifying me, but actually this person's a devotee. You should, you should see them. They have, they have captured Krishna. They have captured Krishna's mercy. And this is characteristic of every devotee that Narada Muni meets. All the way to the top. So the spiritual world is characterized by appreciation. Therefore, the, what we could see if we had an attachment to material vision and viewing the Leela is these gopis are actually envious because they all wanted to be with Krishna and they want no one else to be with Krishna. But actually, the speakers of this verse, uh, it's described by our acharyas, are those gopis who actually could recognize Shumati Radharani's footprints. They are those gopis who are in the Suhrid Paksha. They are friends. They're very dear friends of Shumati Radharani and therefore they're ecstatic that they've witness the success, the glory of Shumati Radharani's love, that he left, but he left because of her, to be with her only, because her love is perfect. And that's a source of great satisfaction for them. Even in the Leela of Radha Govinda, the opposing party of gopis, headed by Chandravali, Chandravali is actually an expansion of Radharani. This is all for the pleasure of Krishna, that there are different parties and different moods of serving him. There's no actual division, there's no actual duality. It's all part of the grand plot of Yoga Maya to increase the pleasure of the divine couple more and more. But the material world is definitely characterized by envy and jealousy. Jealousy, roughly speaking, is wanting what someone else has, and envy is wanting it and wanting them to not have it. <laughs> it's not enough for me to have what they have. I want no one else to have it. It's envy. So I was reflecting on this division of consciousness, mature world, spiritual world, and I was thinking also about something that had occurred to me some time ago that, as we know, and we hear, the material world is a place for those who are envious of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, which is characterized by, as we discussed, denying His existence, misrepresenting Him, putting ourselves in His shoes and saying that we are Him, actually saying He's real but He's not a person, and therefore minimizing Him, uh, these various kinds of things. And when we come to devotional life in any tradition, actual devotional life means getting over that. It means getting over that envy and accepting that. In the words of one Christian priest who spoke to my Guru Maharaj, he said very humbly, I have been serving the Lord for 40 years in my tradition and I've learned two things for sure, <laughs> only two things. There is a God and I'm not Him. And this is the beginning of spiritual life. Because that person, I mean, they're being very humble, I'm sure they have some other realizations, but these two realizations form the root of devotion. There is a God and I'm not Him. Therefore, there is devotion. If there is a God and I'm not Him, the, the necessary feature is that I have a relationship with them, and the relationship is of my being very small to their being very great. There is devotional service. And that's a realization people come to when they practice. They come to this realization, there is a God. I can feel Him in His names. I'm experiencing Him in my life. I experience Him in the darshan. I experience Him in the prashadam, in Bhagavatam, in the association of devotees. 
there is a supreme person and I'm not him. And one advances further. And actually, Srimati Radharani doesn't take the forefront of the divine couple. She places Krishna in the forefront. And uh, we see in the Srimanakshiksha, for example, of Raghunatha Das Goswami, that after some time of serving Krishna, becoming purified, Krishna himself leads the, leads the devotee by the hand to take shelter of Srimati Radharani and to advance further. And one way in which this, this is manifested, in my opinion, or I, I, if you want to call it a realization, something that I've observed, is accepting, yes, there is a God, and getting over, bit by bit, our envy of Him, and then accepting after that, there is a supreme devotee, and getting over our envy of her. Because one may want to place themselves in the position of God, and that's nonsense. But another flavor of nonsense that Maya offers is to place herself in the position of being the greatest devotee. But that position is absolutely and irrevocably taken by Srimati Radharani. And the reality of the spiritual world is one of exaltation, great satisfaction in that fact. The gopis here who are speaking, who are her immediate expansions, who recognize what has happened, are thrilled beyond description. They're thinking about her great fortune in, as the purport puts it, uh, she had captured Sri Krishna. Radharani captures Krishna. She captures him with her love. And one may serve as a devotee and not just give lip service, but accept this point that there is a supreme person and he's Krishna. Uh, and yet one may still hold on to, in some way, the conception that I am a great devotee. <laughs> and in, indeed, I'm the greatest devotee. But uh, spiritual life at its most advanced levels um, necessitates understanding that I'm actually insignificant. That's my place. My place is near complete insignificance. That whether I, th I think I'm controlling the material energies as a yogi or a worshiper of nature or a great scientist or a channeler of wonderful powers on the stage playing a guitar or whatever else, <laughs> or whether I um, and placing myself as a supreme person by giving learned discourses saying that there is no supreme person, or whether I'm a devotee of God, if I think that I'm actually the greatest in that position, I've misunderstood basic sambanta. Because the reality in tattva, the tattva of bhakti, is that all devotional service comes from Srimati Radharani. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Patram Pushpam Palantoyam, Yome Paktya Prayachati. If one offers me with love, these simple things, a fruit, a flower, a leaf, or water, I will accept it. That's his nature. He is controlled by love. Prema vashyata. That's his essential nature. There's no cause for it. Nothing makes him like that. That's just the way he is. Krishna is that kind of person. He just submits himself to love. And if someone has even a little bit of that appreciation for him, they offer, here's some potato chips. Something, anything for Krishna offered with love, then he accepts that. And that's a fact. And yet, a more refined understanding is, if I really want to please Krishna, I don't just approach him on my own. I place lotus feet after lotus feet after lotus feet on my head, and I take their mercy, and therefore my offering gets all of their qualities. Ultimately, when we offer things in Guru Parampara, on the altar, when we offer bhoga, we're giving some simple thing that we've made with our Kali Yuga brains and our Kali Yuga bodies here in the material world, and it's not that Krishna greedily eats that. He's looking for the bhakti. But what is that bhakti? It's a very small thing, generally speaking. And so what are we doing? We're actually asking our Guru Maharaj, please accept this offering. Please pass it upwards. And if there's some deficiency in it, please rectify it. And if you can find a way to make it better, I'm sure you'll do that. And he passes it to Srila Prabhupada. And Prabhupada passes it to Srila Bhaktisiddhanta. And like this, the Guru Parampara goes on. And there is an offering. There is a great chain. And at the very top of the chain, Srimati Radharani is feeding Krishna. She is the mother of all devotion. And we connect to that in the offering itself by invoking Tulsi, who's her immediate expansion, giving Tulsi leaf. And if you don't have a Tulsi leaf, it's described, you could just chant her name, Tulsi, 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 over the, the Bhoga offering. And that's also considered to be invoking her. This is recognizing that there is a hierarchy 
The spiritual world through Radha Krishna Lila is characterized by a hierarchy. It's a very ordered place with very ordered people. Radha and Krishna are enjoying in incredible, diverse ways, and there are so many levels of devotees and unlimited rasa, unlimited persons moving in unlimited different directions under great organization. Everything moves according to specific times. Everything moves according to people have, devotees have, persons that they serve under. And they relish that. They relish that position because it connects them to Radha and Krishna more and more. The materialistic conception of it's just me and God is not, it's conspicuous by its absence in the spiritual world. This is actually a Kanishta conception. The lowest conception of devotion in this world is the conception of, oh, it's just me and God. Someone can come barging in right now and run towards the altar and think, I'm, I'm with God. But if they don't understand that the Bhagavatam is also Krishna, if they don't understand the devotees are representatives of Krishna, if they don't understand who that person is standing next to Krishna and what her significance is, then they're, they're, they're a devotee, but they're not a very advanced devotee yet. On the other hand, advanced devotees are characterized by their ability to appreciate others and their intense desire to be under others, spiritually speaking. So Krishna may, he says he would, he may accept whatever offering I give if I offer him some kolsla I've made for him, and, you know, there's a little bit of some shred of bhakti in my heart. That's an if. But if it's there, then he'll accept it. He says he will. But if I put myself under Srimati Radharani's shelter, I find that parampara that's coming from her. And I understand then that that mercy is there. And that offering that Krishna gets ultimately comes with her, from her then whatever little thing I have to offer is also there. It's not destroyed, it's not eradicated, but it's improved on. It's part of a greater whole, it's part of her worship now. And I'm assisting in that in some incredibly insignificant way and I feel great satisfaction here in the material world offering that coleslaw to Krishna because I've taken shelter in that way. And that's a more mature understanding. And I was thinking about this because it had occurred to me that we can come to Krishna consciousness and fully accept that there's a God and I'm not Him and still hold on to this idea that, well, actually, I'm the best of devotees. <laughs> consciously or unconsciously, generally unconsciously, but I'm actually the best of devotees. I have a position, or I have this, or I have, I have done this, or I've done that. And, you know, basically speaking, you know, we have this expression in ISKCON, is Krishna's mercy. And what is, that? what is Krishna's mercy? You know, who is Krishna's mercy? She's right there. If we say something is Krishna's mercy, if someone comes to me and says, Shami Pras, I really liked your class. And I say, Prabhu Mataji, it was really Gurudev's mercy, Krishna's mercy. I'm talking about Srimati Radharani, ultimately. She's actually organizing. Rogamaya is organizing. This supreme Shakti of Krishna is organizing his service. So if I think or I hear that it was a great class or the offering was nice or this was nice, then we can understand, oh, well, perhaps Srimati Radharani was involved. The devotees are pleased. Very good. Rather than, oh, thanks, I'm kind of a big deal. Um, so this is relevant for us, uh, relevant for me at least, because that's something that I work on, is to come to this level of, um, first of all, tolerating the fact that there is a supreme couple, there is a supreme devotee, and I'm not either the supreme person or the supreme devotee, and then relishing that, really relishing being a servant of a servant of a servant. And so, last kind of point I'd like to make before we open it up for comments and discussion is that, you know, every year when it comes to Radhashtami, I think about my own insignificance because when I'm facing the reality of the Supreme Devotee, who is so incredible actually that even Krishna is bewildered by her, um, I just personally, I, I, I'm especially aware of how deep our philosophy, how deep our view of reality is, and I'm humbled by that. And so in order to make it applicable and relevant for myself and my practice, I always take it down to the level of Mahaprabhu's mercy and his mission. Because for us, really there is, there is no access to Radha and Krishna in this age without Mahaprabhu. Um, to, to, to access Radha Krishna Leela, to access Radha Krishna realization of them, service to them, without going through Mahaprabhu is simply an illusion in this age. Um, you, can, you can come to Vishnu, it's not so easy, but it is to come to Radha Krishna, to Vrindavan, that requires Mahaprabhu because he's Krishna and Shumati Radharani's mood. He's, 
he is the manifestation of Krishna when Krishna is so overcome by the greatness of her love for him that he actually accepts her mood of service and experiences that, experiences himself from her perspective. So his instructions and his life, the way he wanted us to live, the way he acted and wanted us to act, is our blueprint for coming to Radharani's mercy. Chant Hare Krishna all the time and help others to chant. Basic thing. Uh, wherever you go, whoever you meet, instruct them, as Prabhupada said, in the science of Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. He takes this expression, Krishna Upadesh, the instructions of Krishna, and he breaks it down for us. Instruct them in Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. Give them basic sambandha and then more sambandha abhideya and some prayojana. Help them understand. In this way, become a guru and up, uplift wherever you are. Become a guru there. And in the context of that conversation, Mahabharata says, you do this, you'll never be separated from me. Or rather, you and I will come together again. Because the Kumar Brahmana wanted to leave everything and go with him. And Mahabharata said, no, do this. Amar agya guru haya. Become guru by instructing Krishna Upadesh. So this is practical. This is Radharani's mood. Because she wants Krishna's service to expand. She's the epitome of this service attitude. Srila Prabhupada expresses this, this, uh, this mood that if we achieve the mercy of Srimati Radharani, she says to Krishna, My dear Krishna, you please accept this devotee. They are better than me. <laughs> and then Krishna is obliged because he is captured by Srimati Radharani, as the purport said. She's, he's captured by her love, she says, so he accepts. Is it tattva that the devotee is better than her? No. Nobody is better than her. But because she's the best, if she accepts them by her own mercy, then he accepts them. So her mood is to put others in the center, to bring them closer to Krishna. And therefore, that's Mahaprabhu's mood. And we approach the internal reasons for his appearance through the external reasons, by serving his mission. And that's our public life. And then as we do that, our private life develops. And we can have some realization of the internal reasons. But that comes from serving the, the chanting of Hare Krishna in our own life and in assisting others in doing that. Harinam Sankirtan, book distribution. Everything we're doing is assisting the Sankirtan movement. And if we accept that mood, then we also accept wholeheartedly the mood of being the servant of the servant. We, of course, we quote that verse all the time. I'm none of these things. I'm the servant of the servant. The speaker of that was, was Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu which means the speaker of that was Srimati Radharani. And if we accept that mood and, and embrace that as a practical thing we can do to get beyond simply accepting that there is a God and get to the point of accepting that there is a supreme devotee and I operate as the servant of her servant, 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 so many times removed, then we have something we can work with. We have something we can really dig our hands into. While we're here in the very esoteric and beautiful Lila Radha Krishna, while we're reading Krishna book, while we're doing whatever we're doing in the day in terms of our day-to-day, moment-to-moment, ashram and varna duties, this overriding mood of being the servant of the servant, it actually connects us to Radharani and therefore connects us to the higher levels of devotion. So that was my uh, take, if you will, and my perspective. Um, I find it useful for myself because I have a lot of things to work on in this regard for sure. Um, on the other hand, I personally don't find it very useful to... Um, to avoid this kind of internal work and simply, at my level, hear about Radha Krishna and uh, not accept that I actually, on some level, think I'm a big deal as a so-called devotee. Rather, both of those things should go on. Um, so, at this point, we'll take corrections, comments, reflections. Of course, we, we always love opening things up. Anything I said that stood out, anything I said that was wrong, um, or further collaboration in our mutual project here to make me Krishna conscious. <laughs> the secret reason why I give class is to become more Krishna conscious. Balgopal Prabhu. I saw his hand first. There's also a question. Also a question online. Okay. Well, if there's a question online, we'll take you first. The question is from Abraham. I understand why in the spiritual world envy does not occur because the spirit soul wants others to be in relationship with Lord Krishna. But is there spiritual jealousy in the spiritual world? 
The gopis are pleased Radha has conquered Krishna, but are the gopis jealous of Radha and Krishna's relationship? Meaning, do the other gopis want the love of Krishna like Radha has with Krishna? So we should be very clear that in the spiritual world, what we conceive of as envy doesn't actually exist there. It's conspicuous by its absence. As I'm fond of pointing out, in the Bhagavad Gita 1516, Krishna says, There are two kinds of living entities, the fallible and the infallible. Uh, in the material world, all living entities are fallible, and in the spiritual world, they're infallible. And in the word for word, the word kutasta, which means inf uh, infallible, um, is translated as infallible, is literally translated as situated in oneness. Those in the spiritual world are situated in oneness. That's the oneness of oneness of purpose. If you're in the spiritual world, it means you have a oneness of purpose with Radha and Krishna. So that's important to understand. Uh, absolutely every single person in the spiritual world has a oneness of purpose with Krishna. There are zero exceptions to that. That's the defining characteristic of whether you're there or not. And if one is in this world, but they have a oneness of purpose with Krishna, then in a higher level, they're also in the spiritual world. So when we hear about the different groups of service to Krishna, which includes competitor gopis to Srimati Radharani, there, are, there is Radharani's group of gopis, and there is Chandravali's group of gopis, and they're vying for Krishna's affection. That exists in the context of oneness of purpose. So we have to understand what that purpose is. When we hear about this kind of lila, then we can understand the purpose. We can't understand it by our, our own self. Purpose is an exceptionally deep thing. You know, you can tell what someone's doing in a way, if you have senses, but to understand their purpose requires knowing them. So we hear from our acharyas, those who know Radha and Krishna, what is their purpose? Krishna's purpose is to taste rasa, to enjoy the back and forth between himself and his devotees. And part of that, as Srila Prabhupada put it, is variety is the spice of life, it's the spice of enjoyment. So because of that, there is some conflict on the level of lila. Just like, to give an example outside of that lila, we have in the third canto, Jai and Vijay, two gatekeepers of Vaikuntha, the spiritual world. And due to a lila that they engage in, because they, once upon a time, thought, here in the spiritual world, my Lord does not get to enjoy the fighting rasa. I wish that he could have that sometime. Our Acharyas explained that was part of what they thought. Therefore, when this lila took place, they were cursed by the four Kumaras who came. And Narayan himself came and said, I uphold the curse because these Kumaras are my devotees and these persons are my devotees. So everything they both say is, is fine, but I have to uphold the curse that the Kumaras give. Therefore, these two gatekeepers must fall down to the material world, but they'll come back to me. And since they're devotees of him, they take the position of being demons in the material world. So when Krishna comes as Varahadev, as, Hiran, as Hiranyakash, uh, Nursingadev, as Krishna, then he fights them because the devotee is supremely qualified and therefore they're supremely qualified to take the position even of an enemy of Krishna. And therefore he has this play, like this play wrestling like he does with his friends in Vrindavan. He has play. He fights with Hiranyakashipu. No one's a bigger demon than Hiranyakashipu. Nobody here can imitate that kind of level of demoniac mentality. He's just too good at it. Why? Because he's divinely empowered to be that. And that's what makes the rasa of Nursingadev coming and doing that. I'm pointing now to those who can't see. Nursingadev eviscerating Hiranyakashipu in an epic battle, all that more full of rasa. Krishna is the supreme majority. He doesn't just find like whatever piddling, insignificant living entity here thinks they're God and crush them under his thumb. No, he has a great fight, an epic fight with his devotee. So those devotees surrender to that desire of Krishna to enjoy virya rasa, the battle mentality. And they were part of that. Then they went back to the spiritual world. So in, the, in, in Vrindavan, there are gopis who vie for Krishna's affection. There are different moods of gopis. So those who follow Radharani consider her mood the greatest. And those who follow Chandravali consider her mood the greatest. 
And Krishna enjoys both moods. But because there is this variety and this, this tension there, they're all serving that supreme purpose. Nobody's there actually thinking, God, I hate it. I hate it that Radharani gets so much attention from Krishna. No, that's a material conception. That doesn't exist there. So um, there are these roles that devotees play, but I hope that clarified the, question, the position of the spiritual world. Though, if we see, therefore, that kind of mentality of envy in our heart, we can understand, I'm basically still in the material world. That has no place. I have to become purified of that. And then I'll attain some position in the ultimate purpose of Krishna, the ultimate leela of Krishna. Thank you. So, <clears throat> I have two things to add, if that's okay. Um, I actually had the, because uh, when you were talking about envy and the gopis, I actually pulled up the uh, letter that Srila Prabhupada wrote to Atreya Rishi, February 4th, 1972. And it's really interesting that he points out that even in the spiritual world, there is some fault in envy. Sometimes the gopis will quarrel over Krishna's favor. And Srila Prabhupada uses the point that, but it is not the same as material fault or material envy. It is transcendental because it is all based on Krishna. Sometimes when one gopi would serve Krishna very nicely, the others would say, oh, she has done so nicely. Now let me do better for pleasing Krishna. That is envy, but it is transcendental without malice. So he gives that point that you just brought up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was thinking <clears throat> in terms of how, uh, you know, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, how you're talking about, you know, offering something to Krishna, but you actually give it to Srimati Radharani. How uh, one time Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, I forget who his disciple was, I think it was like Pranavananda Brahmachari at that time, I'm not sure, but. There was a king and a queen, I forget what they were king and queen of, but they were doing Dandavat Parikama of Sri Radhakund. And the devotee, the disciple, he's like, oh, just see, the king and the queen, they're, they're so great, they're doing Dandavat Parikama around Radhakund. And Sri Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur said, actually, they're only worshipping Radhakund because they have attraction for Krishna and because they're thinking that, oh, Radharani has something to do with Krishna, then they're worshipping Radhakund. But actually our mood is that we only have anything to do with Krishna because of our attachment to Srimati Radharani. So, um, about the jealousy in the spiritual world, I wanted to make that point. What about when Srimati Radharani is exhibiting man? Is this considered jealousy? It's jealous, and it's described as jealous anger. So, can you elaborate on this topic a little bit? Sri Chaitanya Chodhamrita describes that in the fourth chapter of the Adi Lila that Srimati Radharani's nature is quite uh, contradictory apparently. Although her love is all pervasive and completely full, leaving no room for expansion, yet it expands. It's getting bigger all the time. Although her love is completely honest and pure, it's beset by crookedness. You have the crooked dealings of young lovers. You have these conflicts. He loves me, he loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. Someone breaks an appointment, someone's late. Someone's hurt, feelings are hurt. These things are going on. And although her love is the best, she's completely devoid of pride. These are contradictions. So when Srimati Radharani is uh, angry with Krishna, when she's upset, there's this jealous anger, then this is a function of their eternal relationship. At the level of tattva, Radha and Krishna are one. They're always in relationship with one another. 
There is no time. Unlike all of the love affairs of this world, there is no time at which that relationship was created and no time at which it breaks. And it is completely spiritual in nature, not material in nature. It has nothing to do with a material body or material desires, karma at all. It's completely spiritual. It's the highest thing, actually. What they're experiencing, Adi Rasa, is the essential rasa, which is the wellspring of all rasa that everyone experiences anywhere. Even in the material world, we get the weird, perverted, funky reflection of that. Rasa, real rasa, means what Radha and Krishna are experiencing. And so, that's tattva. But in, in, in the experience of rasa, in the experience of lila, there's a back and forth. There is a, she loves me, she loves me not. So for Krishna to have that, Krishna, Radharani has this man. Sometimes she's very disappointed with him. She tells her friends, I don't want to see him. If he comes here, don't let him in. I have had it with Govinda. And there is this tension. How is he going to win her back? What's happening? And her assistants say things and do things. And some gopas come and they talk to the gopis and they create this situation. And the divine couple will come back together. And there's this wonderful reunion. You can't have the reunion without the, the hurt feelings. So it's the same as like, in, in a sense, Bhakti uh, Abe's question, um, this is the deep mystery of the spiritual world because we're not actually, we're not going for a place of uh, freedom from emotion. <laughs> we're going for a place of purified emotion, purified activities, purified personhood. We're actually aiming at spiritual personhood, which means there must be these things. But the, the nature of these things is not something we can understand with our own crazy ideas that we've gotten from relationships in this world. Therefore, there is this progression of understanding. So when we talk about Srimati Radharani's mind, that's very high. It's very high. Not that we should never hear about it, but we should understand. Whatever I think I know about jealous anger has nothing to do with that at all. It's reflected way down into the material energy. When she experiences that, it's an exalted thing. It's such a wonderful thing because it's instrumental to Krishna's pleasure so, so much. Um, but it's in oneness with the purpose of the divine couple. So I hope that helps. Puru, uh, Maharaj, would you like to say anything before we move on? So we, we say in principle, the Veda is aparashaya, absolute, no argument. And we are adherents to the Puranas, Amala Puranam Shimad Bhagavatam. The other Puranas, uh, but the Acharyas also have some discrimination on which ones the Gaudi Vaishnavas accept and relish. Um, so there is a pastime in one of the Puranas, Brihad Nadiya Purana or some Purana, where uh, there's some cursing and counter cursing. And it's centered around Tulsi and Krishna and Radha and Sridham. Uh, so it's in this pastime, um, because of that courtesy and counter-cursing, Tulsi comes to the material world. Sridham also enters and Radha. Uh, and there's uh, a cursing that Radha, you will not see your Krishna for a hundred years. So, of course, I many Acharyas can't, uh, can't uh, take this pastime in their heart because it's countered productive to the principle of non-envy in uh, Goloka. But still the story is there and then Radha cannot see Krishna for a hundred years. 
and Sridham becomes married to Tulsi externally, and then ultimately Krishna enters in the skies uh, as a relationship with Tulsi. She curses him to become a stone, he becomes Shaligram. He curses her to become the Tulsi plant. Um, but it is a, you know that the Bhagavatam is Sukadeva Goswami, and in the Gopal Champu, which is Jiva Goswami, there's a, a, an interesting continuation, and we have uh, Banu Maharaj's translation, where you know Krishna had promised, "I will come back." He tells the gopis, "I have to take care of a few demons." principally Kamsa. Then after Kamsa there was Jarasandha, then after Jarasandha, others. So, Pritikadana Saranam Vidashtachitishkram, Krishna comes to kill the demons. So, um, these two um, principles are there that Krishna can't come back to Vrindavan unless he does his duty and ridding the world of demons. So then the last demon is there in the outskirts of Vrindavan. Uh, where Sankachuda takes the gopis out of pride. Uh, away from a celebration of holy, you know, squirting the syringes and frolicking Balaram is there, Krishna is there, the gopis are there. But he was so obnoxious and proud, he, he grabs the gopis and Radha. Uh, and then, you know, Krishna uh, follows him, leaving, leaving Balaram with the gopis, and then he kills Sankachuda, takes the jewel, uh, which is shaped like a conch. Uh, gives it to Balaram and eventually comes back to Radha. So those are all the other was the final demon, and then Shiva Goswami says, then Krishna comes back to Goloka. And then there's a marriage of Radha and Krishna. And then, then there's a, a chariot, Krishna's chariot to take everybody back to the eternal, I mean, the, the original Goloka in the spiritual world, and his chariot expands, everybody jumps on board, and they go. So it's an interesting read, Gopala Champu, Jiva Goswami. Krishna, it's like fulfilling Krishna's promise. He said, I'll come back. But in the Arbhagotamas, we're like left, well, he didn't go back. So, you know, we continue on the line by uh, our most learned authorities, Jiva Goswami is Vishwanath Chakrabarti, they're so advanced. But, you know, what I was just remarking is that, is there some kind of jealousy there? Um, because, well, you know, there's no Maya. In the first verse of the Bhagavatam, you know, there's no Maya there. There's no possibility of material envy. So there may be some uh, jealousy, but it's spiritual, transcendental, and it's all connected with Yoga Maya and her enfoldment of Leela. Um, but anyway, I'm just saying that pastime is there in one of the Puranas of this cursing and counter cursing, and then manifestation of the Shaligrams, Krishna of Tulsi, the plant, and uh, so many other things. But uh, one of the cutting edges is so the Acharyas, they make a distinction between certain Puranas which we accept, and certain we don't, certain we don't accept. So, um, on the principle of, of 
there being complete harmony and non-envy, um, I think our devotees, acharyas, do not accept that pastime. I forget which Purana it's in. Because it has to be absolute harmony. That is Goloka. At 30, there's fighting when the cowherd boys go out in the forest. Somebody's stealing Madhu Mangala's lunch. He's getting angry. He pulls out his Brahmin thread. You don't return my lunch, I'm going to curse you. <laughs> so is that material envy and jealousy? No, it's completely transcendental. So the other kind of boy says, all right, all right, don't worry. Today we'll give you so many ladus. And Madhu Mangala comes, all right, good. So uh, the main principle to hold, yeah, Goloka is perfect, the relationships are perfect, there's no material energy because there's no material energy. Because there's no material energy, there's no even thought of the material world. So it's like they're in a box, that they can't come out of a box. So if you say, the principle, come out of the box that you're in, no, in the spiritual world, Everything is centered, focused around Radha Krishna, and nobody comes out of that because they're nitya siddha. There's a nitya siddha and there's a sada siddha, right? Those who are eternally perfect in Goloka, uh, the prakars, the associates, and then there's a sadhana siddhas who achieve that realm by practicing sadhana here. But once they're there, they're also. Uh, non-different from the Nidja and then in their relationships. And of course, if you go deeper than in Uchwala Nilamani, you get the different types of relationships and services in that divine realm. And the more that we contemplate the divine realm, the more we're going to be detached from this material realm. So when we think about the names of the personalities, their forms, like, you know, we were just talking about Lili Dasaki, you know, whether it's today, tomorrow, or yesterday, but she has a divine form, which is like Radha, golden. And she wears a particular type of dress, which is like resplendent with peacock feathers. And she has a bagal, a mood of being hot-tempered. Somebody think, well, how can you be hot-tempered in a spiritual world? No, it's transcendental. She tells Radha, don't become submissive. You know? So he's, Raghu is talking about the Chandravali. Chandravali's comp, uh, they are submissive to Krishna. And Radha already thinks, how can they be submissive to him if he does something objectionable? He has to be put in his place, and therefore Radharani wants Krishna under her thumb. She doesn't want him having that independence. <laughs> so it's all transcendentally divine and relishable, and of our access is, you know, through the words of the Acharyas, and um, of course, the words that came from their lips, uh, so anyway, that pastime just came to my head, you know, because sometimes people say, well, Radha Radhi, even though Mathura to Vrindavan is not very far, why couldn't Krishna just take a break and go over and say, okay, gopis, I'm, you know, I'm still busy in Mathura or in Dwarka, but, um, so in that, Curious, Radharani was not supposed to see Krishna for a hundred years, and after that, that lapse of that time, then eventually they were united. And the play is called Separation and Union. You know, there was one book by Gaurgavind Maharaj called Embankment of Separation, which is, you know, <clears throat> an incredible book of the flow of bhakti and its two banks of separation and union. And uh, it's so interesting to see their perspective on this. 
sometimes a hetu and a hetu. There's a cause for the separation, and then sometimes there's no cause. It just happens, they're separated. So the acharyas, they're so uh, incredibly um, meticulous on the different grades of separation, whether it's temporary, whether it's a long period, and so many things. But the separation increases uh, the mood that when they come together in the union. So thank you for the class, Prabhu. It was very nice. And uh, we'll have more, I'm sure, tomorrow about the glories of Srimad Rarani. Jai. Thanks, Prabhu. So, um, perhaps maybe at breakfast you could speak about um, uh, Shukadeva Goswami and what the Acharyas say about him being, um, you know, reticent about uh, speaking about Radharani, the different um, comments of the different Acharyas since a lot of the purport was about Shukadeva Swami. So maybe later on. So just to summarize the perspective of our Acharyas, who actually understand these things, um, Shukadeva Goswami understood that he had a specific service to do to speak to Maharaj Pradikshit and speak to Bhagavatam. And he also understood that speaking about Srimati Radharani could put him into such a, a state of ecstasy because she is so great that he may actually lose consciousness. And he didn't know how long he would be unconscious for. He didn't know what the result would be. So for the sake of not interrupting his service, he didn't really go there overtly uh, because it was a time-sensitive thing. He didn't, he didn't put his own ecstasy ahead of the service. Um, which is characteristic of a devotee. Uh, so that's the that's the basic answer. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Srimati Radharani ki jai, Rancha Kalpatrupyascha, Kripasintu Vyeva Chapatitana, Pavane Pyo, Vaishnavi Pyo Namo Namaha, Hare Krishna.